for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, go to iTunes. Um, Also, if you haven't done so already, you'll probably want to download the WFMD app um, to your smart device. And that way you'll have all the programming literally right at your fingertips and on your devices. Um, I am Chris Murray, your host. So glad to have you with us today. A good program uh, laid out for you. Really interesting top stories and economic data of this past week. And also joining me in just a little bit, Miss Laura uh, Reese. Uh, She is a friend of the program. Uh, She recently was the acting deputy chief of staff at uh, Department of Homeland Security. And uh, we're going to be talking about the border. Obviously, there's been a lot going on with that in a very uh, bad way uh, for 2021. And um, we're going to kind of get caught up to date. We haven't spoke with uh, Miss Reese for uh, a couple months, so we'll see what's going on there. And that's coming up in just a little bit. Um, As I mentioned, uh, as far as top stories of this past week, uh, unemployment benefits, thank goodness, last weekend ended for 440,000 out-of-work Americans. Uh, They lost that uh, unemployment benefit, the extra part, uh, last weekend as eight states prematurely uh, dropped out of the virus relief program uh, that boosted jobless aid by an extra $300 a week. So uh, I watched Alabama, Idaho, Indiana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, West Virginia, and Wyoming transition out of that extra unemployment uh, benefit program on June the 19th. Uh, That's a move that state's Republican governors said will help businesses struggling to hire workers. It's just unheard of that you have the private sector competing with stimulus money, people being paid our tax dollars not to work. Um, Also, four states, Alaska, Iowa, Mississippi, and Missouri, ended the assistance uh, about five days earlier than that. Um, So, again, really important, uh, I think, to get us back to um, where we need to be as a nation with the pride and dignity that comes from going to work every day and um, adding value and service and production uh, to our uh, fellow citizens and also for our country. Uh, We continue also to talk about just how hot the real estate market is and how much is going on in that industry. Uh, According to something that I saw uh, this week, the real estate market is going days, which has been described as red hot uh, by a recent housing report. And according to that same report, houses are under contract um, on average less than a week after being listed. So the new report came from the real estate listing company Zillow, and it says that uh, houses are staying on the market just six days before being bought. The report was based on information collected during the month of May, 
And uh, the report also found that in some markets like Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Columbus, some homes are only spending an average of three days on the market before going under contract. The big problem uh, nationwide, inventory is still down uh, about 31% from where it was a year ago, according to Zillow. And I'm sure you have uh, stories. I know I do. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law sold their home um, in one day. And uh, friends of our family sold their home over the weekend. Um, and, and, and they had competing bids and um, many, many, many more uh, walkthroughs and uh, visits uh, to the house, but it, the the bidding war was so good for them that they just decided to stop. So it is phenomenal what's going on in that uh, in, in that space right now. And to that point, Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust entered into an agreement to acquire Home Partners of America. So this deal values uh, Home Partners of America, which owns a portfolio of over seventeen thousand single-family homes that are offered to tenants to rent and eventually purchase. Uh, so it it values Home Partners of America at about $6 billion. And um, Blackstone, you know, they were saying that the fundamental premise of this uh, um, Home Partners of America platform is to provide residents with the opportunity to live in their chosen home with the option to purchase it. So pretty interesting. They went on to say they intend to build on that goal and expand access to homes across the United States. Um, And it's uh, their goal has always been to make ownership a reality for more people. And now they can continue that mission while providing even more flexibility and services uh, to their residents. So uh, that was a, a really interesting story, I thought, there. And I think we'll end up um, you'll, you, I think you'll see a lot of people end up very happy that uh, are given that opportunity to rent and then uh, eventually purchase those homes that they live in. Pretty crazy week when it came to uh, the big mortgage giants, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, both of their uh, stock prices plunged on Wednesday after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the structure of the agency that oversees the mortgage giants, violates the separation of powers principles in the Constitution. So the justices sent the case involving Federal Housing Finance Agency, which is the organization that oversees Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and was created during the 2008 financial crisis, um, sending that case back down to to the lower court for additional proceedings. So there's more to come on this. But on uh, Wednesday, Fannie Mae uh, was down 32% their stock, and Freddie Mac was down over 36%. So a very, very volatile day there when it came to um, to those two mortgage giants. You know, when I got the um, uh, energy information on Wednesday morning, as I always do, it was um, it was pretty interesting. I saw oil prices jumped pretty much right away on Wednesday after the Energy Information Administration reported a crude oil inventory draw drawdown, I should say, of 7.6 million barrels last week. 
So that compared with a draw of 7.0 million barrels reported the previous week and another draw of 72.0 million barrels that the American Petroleum Institute reported for the week um, of June the 18th. Um, so, like I said, they continue to to see these big drawdowns more than what's in, uh, expected. And um, this draw comes amid a slight faltering in the oil uh, area because you've got OPEC Plus, which is the uh, the cartel, the oil cartel, and some other outside players. They're considering returning more barrels to global supply from August uh, in response to the strong rebound in demand because of economies reopening. Um, but you also have this problem with the recent Iranian elections. So the results of that, we've got a hardliner uh, for or acting as the new president in Iran, and that casts a shadow um, over the success of um, how relations are going to go between the United States and Iran going forward. But um, if it doesn't go well, it's going to interfere with Iran with the uh, production that they could put back online. Um, and I just, why are we worried about this now? We normally wouldn't be talking about it the last few years because we were energy independent. And who needs Iran? Who wants to need Iran? So more idiotic moves um, that we're seeing these days are just uh, taking away a fantastic position that we had put ourselves in. And I know, you know, there are, everybody's going to be electric and these, you know, we're going to, they're, they're going to save uh, the world. All that's lies, by the way. And if you want to see, uh, again, just as a reminder, how you make these thousand pound car batteries or whatever other kind of battery you're talking about, see um, how Mother Earth is stripped. Uh, see how pretty that is. Maybe you can, um, you know, in your backyard, offer it to be uh, excavated for all of the minerals and materials necessary for uh, for a battery. It is, and now we're again we're worrying about Iran and and all the other countries that that hate us. It makes absolutely no sense. So, and now uh, something else uh, that we see uh, again from this uh, th- this new. Uh, administration. I saw this week that business groups are trying to calculate just how much money public companies might have to shell out to comply with the Securities and Exchange Commission's uh, planned new, I guess, I hate the word woke, but we can say woke corporate uh, disclosure rules and initial statement or excuse me, initial estimates aren't pretty on how much this is going to cost companies, which means it's going to cost you. It's just going to get passed on like it always does. Um, but, you know, there were discussions about these costs with Wall Street uh, executives and analysts and think tank leaders. And no exact estimate could be determined. But the SEC's new disclosure mandates involving everything from the environment to board diversity, again, um, is likely to cost U.S. public companies well into the billions of dollars. So it's going to cost you billions of dollars. It eventually will find its way to the uh, to the consumer. Uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission chair, his name is Gary Gensler. He's an Obama leftover, known for his progressive leanings, of course. Um, and he 
has put at the top of the commission's voting agenda new rules that will mandate disclosing information on so-called environmental social governance issues. Um, What that really means is they want companies to put those or, well, their pet projects first as opposed to doing the best job they can for the shareholders who invest in those companies for research and development, whether it's, um, you know, medicines or whatever the the uh, the industry might be. Uh, but no, now they're going to have to put that first and in, in, uh, in foremost. So um, this whole thing that they keep beating this drum about alleviating climate change and other non-financial uh, disclosures makes no sense. Uh, Biden met with Gensler and other uh, regulators the beginning of this week, and they were discussing these climate-related financial risks and how regulators can push Biden's green and social agenda. So um, just more damage being done to our country under the guise of uh, them supposedly having people think that they're saving the world and making us stronger, really just making us much weaker. Um, And there's no leadership. Again, I don't know who the puppeteers are, but uh, boy, they're just they're probably the same ones that Obama had. And we saw how much damage was done to the country then. Um, And now it's just coming back uh, to for a three peat, I guess we could call it. And another example, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was before lawmakers this week and was begging them to raise the so-called federal debt ceiling to stave off an unthinkable default on U.S. debt obligations, which could spark a financial crisis. Um, Yellen made the remarks in testimony before a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee uh, urging these politicians to raise the legal cap on how much the federal government can borrow while warning that if they don't agree, there could be absolutely catastrophic economic consequences. So that'll get your attention right and and scare you and want you to, you know, run in and hide under the covers. I guess that's what she was trying to accomplish there. She said that a default on U.S. government debt obligations would uh, participate precipitate, excuse me, a financial crisis. It would threaten the jobs and savings of Americans at a time when we're still recovering from the virus. And she added that she thinks defaulting on national debt should be regarded as unthinkable uh, and that failing to increase the debt limit would have absolutely catastrophic economic consequences. She's, again, just beating the same drum. Um, Why don't you figure out a way for China to pay for the virus instead of wanting to borrow um, more money from them? Such weakness, man, right? No leadership. Just weak policy, weak talk, scare talk. Really, really a shame. Um, Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. That's murrayfinancialgroup.com. Right on the uh, homepage there are uh, instant download for you. It's complimentary. Will your money last as long as you do? So uh, it's an eight-page guide for you to see why a retirement income analysis is really important for your retirement. Um, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, you'll get that instant download to your email. When we come back, we've got some economic data for you.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, uh, you can listen to the program as a podcast. Just go to iTunes. Uh, and if you want, you can download the free WFMD app uh, on your smart device and have uh, everything right at your fingertips. Well, when we look at, um, you know, this past week as far as economic data, um, we saw some interesting reports on housing. I had mentioned earlier that report from Zillow. But uh, existing home sales fell for the fourth consecutive month. They were down nine-tenths of one percent in May, according to the National Association of Realtors. Uh, Compared with May 2020, sales were up nearly 45 percent, though that year-over-year comparison is skewed, just like all the other ones, because of uh, the uh, mandatory shutdowns and ridiculous uh, shelter-in-place and all the other stuff that the government tried to get people to do. Um, Home sales fell moderately in May and are now approaching the pre-virus activity, according to uh, Lawrence Young, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. Lack of inventory continues to be the overwhelming factor holding back home sales, said uh, Mr. Young. So, you know, you've got these there's no inventory. These pricing wars are pushing some people out of the market. Uh, we you jump from existing to new home sales. They unexpectedly fell in May because prices climbed to record highs. So sales of uh, new single-family homes fell 5.9% in May. Uh, last month's reading was revised, or I should say um, April's reading was revised down by 46,000. That's a massive uh, down downward revision there. Now, new home sales account for just about 10% of the housing market. Obviously, existing home sales are much larger part, but still, you know, both of them are telling you the same thing, um, lack of inventory and higher cost. You know, new home construction has in recent months been slowed by supply chain challenges, etc., and uh, we're looking at much higher commodity costs, including lumber and, and other materials. So those surges in prices have added about $36,000 to the cost of building an average-sized new home. And that median sales price that I talked about rose to a record of $374,400. So um, really, really tough for those folks out there in the buying market when it comes to real estate. Um, as far as durable goods orders, which are things that are supposed to leave, or excuse me, last uh, three years or longer, um, it was a mixed uh, report when I was looking at it. New orders for manufactured, manufactured uh, big ticket items were up 2.3% month over month in May versus a decline in April. Uh, I saw that report when it came out from the Commerce Department. Um, But when you look at orders for core capital goods, which is uh, very closely watched for business spending, it actually dropped um, one-tenth of one percent in May. So a little confusing, that report uh, seemed to be. Also, when we look at the labor picture, uh, the initial jobless claims that came out on Thursday showed that 411,000 people filed first-time claims last week. So supposedly, you know, the virus is fading. Uh, You've got 
states and cities are finally getting around to lifting more restrictions on businesses. Um, But it's hard for these business owners to find talent and to hire people because, again, I'll go back to what we were talking about um, during the first block where you've got all of these uh, states that continue to pay people not to work. Um, and then the government, you know, gives that extra 300 bucks a week. Um, depending on who you talk to and what you look at, and, and if you factor in the people that aren't paying mortgages, uh, aren't having to pay their rent, getting unemployment, the extra unemployment from the government, et cetera, you know, you've got people making serious money. And that makes it really hard when it comes to um, these, uh, again, business owners that are trying to figure out how to get people back to work. Uh, As far as the Federal Reserve, Chairman Powell this week said the U.S. Central Bank is not going to raise interest rates from, you know, zero. They're not going to do it too quickly due to recent inflation fears, reiterating policymakers' commitment to a broad and inclusive job market recovery. Um, again, they're not going to raise rates because they think employment is too high, because they fear, fear the possible onset of inflation. Why would you say that out loud when you know how destructive inflation is? Instead, he said they're going to wait for evidence of actual inflation or other imbalances. These people, I mean, they must just beat their head against the wall when they're home because they make no sense. He's, you know, said that these inflation problems, if they even exist, are transitory, temporary. I don't know why they don't use, you know... Well, they they do that to make, like I said, to make people feel stupid. And it's just a joke because they're the ones that look ridiculous, except, you know, for the other people living in their bubble. Um, And he said, get this, most of price gain, most of the price gains have occurred in places like used cars, airplane tickets and hotel rooms. So it's your imagination that you're paying more at the pump for our pathetic energy um, policies now. And, um, yeah, that's what it is. It's your imagination. Um, But anyway, and then we saw that um, U.S. economic economic activity grew in May in the Chicago Fed National Activity Index. So that was up. That came from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. And then our district, which is the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, the 5th District, also showed manufacturing activity expanded in June. It went from a reading of 18 in May to 22 in June. And um, that was a pretty solid report. So that was good to see. So, you know, getting back to um, Pal, he's just really becoming a lapdog, just like the others. To the puppeteers, you know, I guess this is just a power or I promise you something down the road play that, again, we saw uh, in the Obama administration's um, because all these same people are, you know, now involved behind the scenes and uh, they're just sucking everybody you're trying to suck everybody. And I thought, you know, I had high hopes for Powell back when he was uh, suggested by Treasury Secretary Mnuchin to President Trump 
to take the helm of the Federal Reserve. I, I really did. And I thought he did pretty good for a while, but um, he's already starting to read out of, you know, the, uh, again, uh, exclusive. You start inclusive. You start hearing these words, and you know that it's talking points that are being uh, provided to them. So, um it's just a shame. It really is. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Right there on the home page is the complimentary download. Will your money last as long as you do? Uh, what an important question when you talk about retirement and uh, just the, you know, knowing that you're going to be okay living your lifestyle for many, many decades if necessary. It's such an important question and it's important uh, to know the answer to that. On the other side of this, we'll be talking with my guest, Miss Laura uh, Reese, and um, she she's a friend of the program, former acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security, uh, counsel for the U.S. House of Representatives Judiciary Committees uh, on immigration and, and things of that nature. So we're going to get caught up on what's going on at the border. Stay tuned. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, uh, just go to iTunes. And uh, as I mentioned right before the break, uh, we were going to be jumping into our discussion this morning. What's going on at the border? What's going on with immigration? Uh, The various impacts, obviously national security, but also uh, the financial impacts. Uh, and, and, you know, we've uh, had our guests on a couple times. Just she's a wealth of knowledge. Miss Laura Reese, uh, she's a director uh, of the Center for Technology Policy and Senior Research Fellow for Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation. She's got over two decades of experience in the immigration and homeland security arena. Uh, She actually was the acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security. And if I remember right, uh, Ms. Reese, you uh, lived in Mexico as well. I I did study down there a few times and, uh, yeah, spent a considerable amount of time in in, throughout Mexico, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us again. Really consider you, uh, you know, a friend of the program. Always have excellent information to enlighten the people uh, who are listening. Um, So if you will, just kind of give us your take on how much the border situation has changed along with the new administration. Well, it's been a significant change and and very rapid. Um, Literally day one that that President Biden entered office, he signed a number of executive orders halting many of the effective programs that the Trump administration had put in at the border. He stopped construction of the border wall. He ended uh, what was 
what's known as the Remain in Mexico program that required asylum seekers to remain in Mexico while their proceedings occur in the U.S. Um, he tore up the agreements, the asylum cooperative agreements that we had with the countries of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. I mean, the list is long. And so we have seen a uh, historical border crisis right now. Uh, the administration refuses to call it a crisis. Um, it's only today that, that uh, Vice President Harris, over 90 days after being named the border czar, has gone to El Paso. Um, and in fact, she's not even at the actual border. She is doing meetings at the airport and at the Border Patrol station, which is miles from the border. She does not want a photo op of, of migrants crossing behind her in, in, in the screenshot. Um, so in addition to the historic numbers of the migrants crossing is the um, unbelievable amount of poisonous drugs crossing the border, including, including fentanyl. Uh, Customs and Border Protection has seized more fentanyl in the past four months than they did in all of, of uh, 2020. So across the board, this is a disaster. It is of the Biden administration's own making, and they can fix this easily but they don't want to. Um, I was going to touch on a couple things, and and I want I was going to share kind of what I learned and see if I'm right or if I'm wrong. Um, you mentioned the border wall construction that was halted. It was my understanding that that really wasn't a total brainchild of uh, President Trump, but one that came because he had in depth and extensive conversations with Border Patrol and other law enforcement uh, people on the ground and officials higher up as to what he could do if he was elected to really solve the problem. So I thought, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought that he was just being a very good listener and hearing from those professionals the best way to go about things. Yes, he did listen to the Border Patrol agents on the ground, and they have always said, no matter what the administration, that they need three things, personnel, technology, and infrastructure. And the inf part of the infrastructure is the wall. And it, it doesn't, it's not just about the physical wall, it's a system, it's access roads, it's lights, it's sensors. Um, and so all of that has stopped. And um, Border Patrol agents say it helps them have awareness and situational control over what is happening in their sectors. Uh, it buys them time to respond. And so it's been an effective tool. And the fact that, one, uh, President Biden stopped wall construction and won't talk to the border agents until today, Vice President Harris doing that, um, is just a true lack of leadership. Um, and ignoring what the agents who protect our country every day have asked for and said that they need. Yeah, it's, to me it just blows my mind why you wouldn't listen to the professionals who are trying to keep everybody safe um, at, at the end of the day and help them get what they want. Um, and, and, and also uh, you mentioned, you know, about Honduras, et cetera. What do you think that visit by Kamala Harris was, I mean, do you think that that really could um, create any uh, positive outcomes from her talking to the leaders of those countries? 
I don't think so for a few reasons. The U.S. has had significant leverage over these countries, um, but have not used it until President Trump did. Uh, for decades, we have given large amounts of foreign aid to these countries, and we have taken in their illegal migrants and given them that they're given them jobs, and then let remittances go home uh, back to those countries in billions of dollars without, you know, taxes or fees or the like. So it, it's been a great deal for those countries. Um, but it wasn't until President Trump, Trump came along and said, look, if you, uh, I need help on immigration if you don't want to get tariffed or, or taxed. Um, and, and they quickly responded. And unfortunately, the Biden administration has returned to the old posture of just throwing money at it. Um, and so the Biden administration is promising $4 billion over four years at least half of that without conditions. And we know from past experience that it ends up, due to corruption, um, being wasted. And you know, we've had decades of high numbers of illegal immigrants. Um, so it has not worked just throwing money at the problem. And you've had some of these leaders, you know, Mexico and in Guatemala, come out since Harris's trip and say, it's absolutely been the messaging and the policies of the Biden administration that has caused this current historic crisis. Yeah, and, and I thought that was pretty bold considering that they knew that they had billions of dollars coming their way. Um, so I give them a little bit of credit for at least uh, speaking the truth. And like you uh, alluded to, this is just corruption, uh, all that money. Then, And that's our money, um, which I really appreciated in your commentary piece this week, uh, Solutions Act would not solve the border crisis, which we'll get into in a couple moments. But um, I, I really appreciated you a couple times reminding me when I was reading this that it's it's taxpayer money, um, even though they act like it's a tree out back, it just grows, uh, you know, money. And that's obviously not the case. So um, we're going to take a quick break, actually. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with my guest this morning, a friend of the program, Miss Laura Reese. Uh, she uh, w- was the acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security. She's currently at the um, Heritage Foundation. And I'll... Uh, let you know the piece that you can get go to heritage.org uh is solutions act would not solve the border crisis that uh, miss reese has actually uh penned um recently and uh it's an excellent read so i would encourage you to do that and when we come back on the other side we'll talk more about that and uh just get her uh, expertise and input as to what's going on at the border including you know, the financial impact, because obviously our show is is um, is focused on that area along with others. So we'll, we'll see what she has to say about that as well. Pour me, pour me another drink, because I don't want to feel a thing no more. Hell no, I just want to sip it till the pain wears off. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. Also, it's available as a podcast at iTunes. And um, thank you so much for being part of the program. I appreciate it as always, whether you're uh, brand new or you've been with me uh, since 1997 when we... uh, 
created the program, and uh, now we have listeners all across the country, especially with the new technology as it's evolved over the years. So thank you so much. And uh, the reason that the program uh, has done so well is because of uh, the people we get to talk to. It's such a pleasure for me. Uh, for example, our, our guest this morning, Ms. Laura Reese, uh, she's a director of the Technology Center uh policy and research fellow for Homeland Security at uh, the Heritage Foundation. And she was uh, also recently the uh, acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security. And that's what we're talking about is the border uh, crisis right now. Um, although I know people don't want to call it that some people, but that's exactly what it is. It's just wordcraft that um, they're really good about picking uh, certain names and phrases. Um, so, uh, Ms. Reese, right before the break, I was letting everybody know about the um, the piece that you did on May 14th, Solutions Act would not solve the border crisis. And again, folks, you can go to heritage.org and get all that information for free. Um, so give us an overview of, uh, of what the Solutions Act is. So it has in the title bipartisan, and it is sponsored by Senator John Cornyn, a Republican from Texas, uh, Kirsten Sinema, a Democrat from Arizona, among others. Uh, but what it would do is codify exactly what the Biden administration wants to do, which is simply process illegal immigrants into the U.S. faster and uh, require taxpayer money to then transport them to wherever they want to go in the U.S., uh, give them taxpayer-funded uh, legal assistance and education, um, and on and on. And so Congress needs to have their eyes wide open when, whether it's dealing with this bill or any other immigration bill or uh, nominees for uh, immigration agencies at, at DHS, the Justice Department, HHS, and elsewhere. Uh, because conservatives, Democrats, we should not be assisting this administration in carrying out their plans to just bring in more illegal immigrants and to do it faster, more efficiently, and at taxpayer expense. Okay, so that begs the question for everybody, including me, that you, when you hear these things, you automatically say, why do they want to do it? Well, I think we can only conclude that they view this as a political win for them, it, uh, in power, um, and eventual votes for them. So hey. it's, I, they view this as perpetual uh, Democratic votes and staying in power. Yep. No, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that needs to be said more often is that all they're doing, in my opinion, is expanding their voter base and uh, they're using our money again, taxpayer money, uh, people that go to work, pay their taxes um, to do it. So it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll circle back to what you said with um, uh, at the beginning when we were speaking fentanyl, you know, I mean, literally, these policies are killing people, and I it, it makes absolutely um, no sense to me why folks would see it any other way. I, well, actually, you can't see it any other way. You could lie to yourself about it, but they, these policies are killing people. I mean, women are getting raped and abused. People are dying along the way. 
Um, I, the recent number I heard was $25 million a week these uh, cruddy Mexican cartel scumballs are making. I mean, nothing about this makes any sense whatsoever. No, there's nothing good in any of this for Americans. And, you know, the fentanyl point, if if no one can appeal to this administration about the migrant issue, um, how about Americans that are and will knowingly die from the drugs that are coming across because of the migrant issue? Um, You know, a few years ago, we heard opioids and opioid overdoses was was consistently in the news, whether it was um, Ohio or New Hampshire, um, just heartbreaking stories about families losing losing loved ones to opioids. Well, you know, fentanyl is a form of opioid and is extremely uh, lethal. And so now parents are finding their teenagers, their 20-year-olds dead at their computer keyboards because they ordered a pill online um, thinking it was something else and it's laced with fentanyl. The stories are heartbreaking and how many Americans have to die before this administration will lift a finger and try and get some control over this. Yeah, no, that's so well put. Um, So real quick before we have to go, I know the last time I spoke with you, I I don't want, uh, and you addressed it, I don't want to ignore it this time either. How, what are your feelings about the uh, northern border? So the northern border doesn't get enough attention. Um, It is pretty open. I mean, there are ports along the way, but uh, it it doesn't get the staffing that the southern border gets. Um, So, you know, plenty of opportunities for people to cross illegally. Um, And the only time it gets attention is if, you know, something blows up literally or figuratively along the border. Um, So it can't be ignored. And um, long ago, following, you know, even before 9-11, Congress called for a entry exit system. Then it became a biometric entry exit system that was called for. Uh, DHS still hasn't completed that, um, but that would go a long way in helping secure the northern border. What does what does that consist of, actually? So it's, it would be at the ports of entry, um, air, land, and seaports. Um, currently, we have an infrastructure for inspecting both uh, foreigners and U.S. citizens as they come into the U.S., but we have not had an exit infrastructure. So you can drive out of the U.S. and, you're, and you know talk to no inspector to go into another country, um, and that's largely the case at airports as well. Um, so it's, it's building that infrastructure, but um, in a technological way, because there's often not the space or the money to build a physical infrastructure. Um, and using biometrics is, is an efficient way to do that. Uh, but it's important to know who is leaving our country, not just who's coming here, because that also determines if someone has overstayed the terms of their visa um, and we need to know that that makes up a large portion of our illegal immigrant population. Um, and it requires interior enforcement then to go find those people and to remove them. Uh, very interesting. I, I don't think uh, many people at all uh, would have thought of that. So I appreciate you uh, explaining that in, in detail for us. And also for taking the time uh, to join the program once again. I mean, it was a pleasure talking with you and I really appreciate 
uh, all of your information and your expertise. Thanks, Chris, for having me on. Yeah, okay. Have a great weekend. And uh, again, Miss Laura Reese, and uh, you can go to heritage.org. The piece she did uh, on May the 14th is titled Solutions Act would not solve the border crisis. And it explains in detail uh, some of the things she talked about uh, with Senators Corn and uh, Cinema uh, about what they're trying to get through in this bill. Might sound good and fancy and all feel good, but uh, it's just not the case. Uh, the border literally is just blowing up, you know, and it's such a th- sad, sad thing. Um, I understand some people want to be here for the right reasons. I get it. You know, my great, great, great uh, uh, grandparents did the same thing when they came from Germany and uh, over in the Scottish uh, and in Ireland. So, I mean, I get it. Uh, but they, again, they came and worked. They didn't come and try to suck off the system. Um, and, you know, you've got these criminals coming and these terrible drugs uh, that, you know, are killing people. It's uh, it's just so, so bad. And why they would allow this evil to go on just to get votes is uh, sickening. You know, it, it, it really is. When you think about it, what it's the destruction that it's causing, uh, they just don't care. And uh, that's that's really, really a shame. Uh, so that does it for us. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll check on the border um, again a little further down the road. And um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express um, with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick, 5.56, a.m. Uh, weekday mornings, Monday through Friday. And then we're back here uh, next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Uh, will your money last as long as you do? Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, get your complimentary uh, eight-page download right to your email to uh, talk about that. It's such an important question. And I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. On the label, one glass on the living room table, phone face down, turns up loud. Just trying to drown you out tonight, but first sip, I can feel you on my shoulder. Tennessee heat had me feeling colder. Thought a drink would get you off my mind, but this bottle tastes like Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. 930 WFMD Sports Update. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Kevin Figures. The NBA's Eastern Conference Finals are tied at a game apiece, but first, some news out of college baseball. Saturday's College World Series game between NC State and Vanderbilt has been ruled a no contest, and the Commodores will advance to the championship round. NC State was shorthanded in Friday afternoon's game as they had just 13 available players in what amounted to a 3-1 loss. Texas did beat Mississippi State 8-5 Friday night. Yasin Tetsukupo scored 25 points, leading Milwaukee to a dominant 125-91 
one win over the Hawks. Bucks outscoring the Hawks 43-17 in the second quarter. The Clippers will be without Kawhi Leonard in Game 4 of the Western Finals tonight. Clippers assistant Chauncey Billups is in contract talks to become the Blazers' head coach. In Major League Baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit three home runs in an 11-5 Padres win over Arizona. Dodgers over the Cubs 6-2. Red Sox beat the Yankees. The Tampa Bay Lightning advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals after a 1-0 victory over the Islanders in Game 7. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.